I'm glad our brother reminded us about the Lord's promise to his people. Um, what a blessed promise. Lo, I am with you always. And beloved, there are brothers and sisters uh, for um, we, we don't find here at this time. But that promise is is always. <laughs> um, there might be some people tuning into the broadcast now. There might be a, a brother or sister who's working, who has obligations or commitments. What a promise. Lo, I'm with you always. And he's here in a special way. Um, that that uh, that promise you you reminded us of his promise. He said, "Where two or three are gathered together in 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 my name, there I am in the midst." And uh, yeah, I know you dragged your <laughs> sorry carcass in here, <laughs> and you can feel cold and dead. But I pray the Lord would take uh, the word of truth and. Uh, Bless it mightily and powerfully with his spirit and comfort you tonight. What a savior we have. <laughs> what a savior. If you would please open your Bibles to where our brother was reading from. Matthew chapter 13. And tonight in the 13th chapter of Matthew, we see here our Lord giving seven parables Concerning the kingdom of God. So what do we know about the kingdom of God? Well, as believers, we know it's invisible. I mean, we don't see it. And our Lord told those Pharisees, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. And then speaking to his disciples, he tells us, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. You see, beloved, it's an invisible force. It's the establishing of a work that this world cannot see. And that's the point. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In all these parables, our Lord says not once, but two times. Once in verse 9 and again in verse 43. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Oh, that God would be pleased to let us hear afresh tonight. Notice in verse 16, our Lord says there, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. But this fallen world, they, they don't hear these things. They don't see these things. And left to our sorry selves, we wouldn't hear or see these things of the kingdom just the same. Our Lord tells us, the Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. And he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. My friend, God is accomplishing his purpose in this world. And when that purpose is over, when that purpose of the kingdom of God is accomplished, when it's time for the harvest, notice he's going to send out his reapers. And they're going to dispose the field of all the tares. They're going to dispose of everything that pollutes his field. And those reaper angels are going to get rid of all those tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But they will gather the wheat into his barn and into his very presence. 
You see, there's a day coming when God's going to fold this world up. There's a day coming when time's going to be no more, when our everyday experience that you and I have lived for or lived in our whole life shall, shall come to an end. It shall cease, and time shall be no more, and this time state will end, and eternity will take its proper course. Now, as we've been reading here, and we've heard it read to us tonight in Matthew chapter 13, the Lord gives us seven parables. He gives us the parable of the sower, the parable of the tares, the parable of the mustard seed, the, the parable of, the, of leaven. He gives us the parable of the pearl of great price and the parable of the net. And then in verse 44, which is our text this evening, he gives us the parable of the hidden treasure. Now, these parables are given to set before the hearer both the nature and character of the kingdom of God. And remember, our Lord declares in Luke 17, speaking of the kingdom of God, he says, the kingdom cometh not with observation. The kingdom cometh not with observation. You see, it's invisible to the natural eye. I mean, to see these things, one must be born of God and given spiritual eyes to see the kingdom. And apart from the new birth, you cannot see these things. You cannot. I mean, these things have been read by scholars. They've been read by PhDs and doctors who knows English, Hebrew, and Greek better than you or I. And yet those scholars, those PhDs, those doctors come away from this book, God's only holy book, not seeing one thing concerning the kingdom of God. Our Lord said to those experts of the law, You have neither heard God's voice at any time, nor seen God's shape, and ye have not God's word abiding in you, for whom the Father has sent God's only begotten Son, him ye believe not. But, beloved, he says to you who believe in our, in our portion, or in this chapter, a chapter that was just read to us, Matthew 13, verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. You see, these so-called experts of the Scriptures, they're fascinated by the genealogies. They're fascinated by the scientific facts given in the Scriptures. They're fascinated by all of these things. But they have no fascination with the key to knowledge. There's no glory given to Christ. There's no worship of him who loved us and washed us of our sins in his own blood. And there's no concept of what God's doing in this world through the doing and dying of his darling son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord said to those scholars, those doctors, those so-called experts of the law, you search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And so, beloved, these parables are given to set before us the gospel of God concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. They're given to set before us the nature and character of the kingdom of God. Our Lord said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The Holy Spirit cannot be seen. You cannot tell where it was coming from and where it's going. And you know, you hear people talking about the Holy Spirit, and they say, I remember when I received the Holy Spirit, I received goosebumps, or they say they started talking in tongues, and you know, they say stuff like that. 
But here's the thing of it, beloved. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit cannot be seen. And the only evidence of his presence, of the Holy Spirit's witness, is how that he testifies of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is mightily important that we give our attention to the Lord's teaching, especially about the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to John's Gospel, uh, chapter 15. You know, you'll hear about a man or uh, really anyone behind a pulpit, and they say, Holy Spirit this, and they say, Holy Spirit that. You know, the Holy Spirit's said I should stop drinking coffee or whatever nonsense they come up with. If you hear a man say that the Holy Spirit gave him a message and the content of that message is not Christ and him crucified. The content of that message is not about the blessed person and finished saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You just don't walk out of there. You run out of there. John chapter 15 and verse 26 these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, our great God, our, our uh, ready to forgive God. <laughs> when the Comforter is come, when, when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Not testify of some set of doctrines, not testify of some theological position you can harp on and look down your nose at someone else. No, the testimony is about God's well-pleasing Son. And our Lord said to Nicodemus, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In effect, you can't see the coming or the going of the Spirit of God. You can't see it coming, and you can't tell where it's going. But you can hear the effects of it. Now, it's an absolute impossibility for the natural man to enter the kingdom of God or to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Left to himself, none of us could believe. Remember what our Lord said? The multitude asked the Lord Jesus Christ, what is the work that we might work the works of God? And the Lord Jesus Christ tells us plainly, this is the work of God, to believe on the one God sent. And so it's an utter impossibility for us left to ourselves to turn to God from, from, from idols to serve the living and true God. And that begs the question, well, then who can be saved? Well, our, our Lord tells us. He tells us plainly. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. For to see, or for that matter, to enter into the kingdom of God is an absolute impossibility for a man left to himself. Our Lord said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. And... Uh, God speaking of the clean water of the gospel, the clean water that is the, the, the gospel concerning his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, God speaks of, of, of those terms in Ezekiel, his prophet. This is recorded in Ezekiel. God says, I, I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. 
from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. By the water and the Spirit of God, God opens the heart so that you and I may see, so you and I may enter into the kingdom of God by the blood and righteousness of Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, these parables were given to describe what natural men cannot see. And all those who were born of God, by the word of truth, by the Spirit of God, they were made to understand these parables. His disciples, they came to him and they asked him, Lord, tell us what these parables mean. Lord, declare unto us the meaning of these parables, which men by nature cannot see. Now, this evening, I'd like to spend some time considering a number of things that pertain to this parable of the treasure hidden in a field. First of all, I want you to think about the treasure which God the Holy Spirit tells us lays hidden. So so what lays hidden? What, what is this treasure that lay hidden? Well, after a total disregard for both Christ and his gospel, our Lord prayed to the Father and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things, hid these things of your kingdom and the king you've set upon your holy hill of Zion. Thank you, Father, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. What lay hidden from the wise and prudent? What did the Father reveal unto babes? Beloved, he revealed Christ to them. He revealed the gospel of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, Paul writes there, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Not everybody's going to perceive it. Not everybody's going to understand it. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world, which none of the doctors, none of the lawyers, none of the experts, none of the kings of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And then turn to that portion, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look what it says there in verse... 10. I wouldn't want to leave you off reading verse 10. <laughs> but God hath revealed them unto us, beloved, <laughs> by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. You see, beloved, all those glorious truths that adorn the doctrine of Christ, the blessed means and purposed intent of salvation, though clearly stated in the Word of God, yet hidden in the Word of God hidden from the wise and the prudent. Nevertheless, he reveals them to his babes. Remember what our Lord said? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye be converted and can become as a little child, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's truly amazing, is it not? Of how many years we read verses that we didn't know the first thing about and then the Lord opened the book. <laughs> How many years did we read Ephesians chapter 1 for so long, not seeing there the gospel of our salvation? Look what it says there in Ephesians chapter 1. It says there in verse 3, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as the Father hath chosen us in his Son before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved Son of God. Is that the gospel of your salvation? That God chose you in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love? Preacher, how can that be? That can only be so in the sinner's substitute, in the one the Father sent to be the surety of his covenant people. We enter into feelingly with what our brother David writes in the Psalms. I cry unto the true and living God, the, the God most high, unto my Lord and God that performeth all things for me. Thank God for that. <laughs> Thank God for that. And then look at verse 12. And Ephesians, look what our brother Paul writes there, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Who, for, who first trusted in Christ? Our Heavenly Father trusted in his well-pleasing Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's the one who first trusted in his Son, in the eternal covenant of grace before the foundation of the world. And beloved, look at verse 13. Beloved, he's the one in whom we also trusted. When did that happen? That was after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You know, sometimes you can read God's word, even the portion we just read from. And astonishingly, astonishingly, um, isn't, isn't that what Paul said? It's, Paul said, I marvel. It's a marvel. It's, it's, it's an astonishment that self-professed believers will object to the very word of God. That's right. They will butt up against it like a goat butting up against a fence. But this is not just any old fence. This is... This is the rock of our salvation. This is the word of God. And this wisdom, the doctrine of Christ, all those blessed truths that adorn his teaching, all the means and purposed intent of salvation, though clearly stated in God's word, yet it lies hidden from them. Hidden. The Jews read and studied the word of God, but they had no understanding of its message. They saw no treasure in it. Rather, they came away believing that it taught righteousness by their own obedience to the law. The false religion of reconciliation by sacrifice and redemption by silver and gold. The false religion of sonship with God by family blood ties and inheritance. And to this day, men and women read the word of God. Those not taught of God, those not born from above, and they still come away with the most ungodly conclusions that you've ever heard of. How come? Because, beloved, the treasure lies hidden in the field. Who hid it? God did. Who's going to find it? Those who are led to it. For those for whom it was hidden, and it's in the field. 
All I was ever taught from the Word of God as a child was moral stories. They'd read the Ark of Noah and teach a moral story, or my Aunt Teresa would bring a, a book about Easter, some Roman Catholic publication. It was just all morality and law. And Cain and Abel and all the pictures and types, rather than setting forth Christ and Him crucified, they use it to teach morality. Why didn't they speak of Christ? Why don't they talk about the city of refuge being Christ? Why don't they talk about Abel's offering setting forth Christ? Why didn't they talk about it? Because, beloved, they didn't see it, and they don't see it. For the treasure was hidden from them. Will it ever be revealed? Well, know this, beloved, the Lord will open this book to all of his beloved people. Luke records the testimony of our brethren. Remember their testimony? They said, Did not our heart burn within us while God's Son talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? You see, the Lord himself, the key of knowledge, he must reveal this treasure, this book. Now, here's the second thing I want you to see tonight. What was hidden was discovered. That's right. It was discovered. You see, this treasure didn't stay hidden. It says back in Matthew chapter 13 in our portion, there in verse 44, it says, A man hath found it, and he did. You see, beloved, the treasure which God hath hidden for me, he also purposed for that treasure to be found. He hid this gospel in his word so that in the day of salvation I might find it. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. <laughs> and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, beloved. <laughs> it is the gift of God, not of works, lest man, any man should boast. <laughs> Did you hear that, beloved? <laughs> not by repentance. Not by stopping some things and starting to do some other new things are ye saved. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Not by repentance, not by turning over a new leaf are you saved. What does God say? For by grace are you saved. Not once, but two times in Ephesians 2. Read it. Read the word of God. So, why is it that a so-called Baptist pastor wanted to shut me up? I was in a major city center preaching, declaring the very word of God, and this man wanted to physically put a stop to my preaching. How come? Because the man was in darkness. The man was still in the ignorance of his fallen nature, caught up in one of the many snares in the word of God to entrap men who deceitfully use the word of God, which, which unlearned and unstable men twist as they do the other scriptures under their own destruction. We read in Isaiah, and he, the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a jinn, that's G-I-N. I'm, I'm quoting from Isaiah 8.14. The word jinn means a net. That is, for a net and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
I'll give you one of those jinns, one of those snares we read of in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says in a verse many of you, I'm sure, know by memory. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, our Lord declares there, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How many men have been caught up in that gin, in that net and snare, and what's that untaught, unstable man tangled up with? Well, that man deceitfully uses the word of God because that man expounds the kingdom of God without God's king. Indeed, without him who has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And his soul will perish in that net, in that antichrist snare of believing in universal salvation, universal atonement. Nevertheless, what God hid, he purposed to be found. Well, who did God purpose to find this treasure? Our Lord tells us in the word, he said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. God hath hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. O Father, for Christ's sake, convert us, convert us, make us as little children that we may enter the kingdom of your dear son. Lord, convert us. We read in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All these things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And the same, that is, John the Baptist, he came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him, through the witness and message of John, might believe. What was John's witness? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, verse, verse 8. John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The light was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, to those who had Bibles, to those who had these things, to those that had every advantage. Verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, why did they receive him? They would, they, they, the world didn't receive him, and he made the world. His own didn't receive him, and they had his own word. They had the scriptures. They had the prophets and the promises. But as many as received him, again, why did they receive him? Why did they receive him? The word of God sets forth ever so blessedly. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Why did he give them power? He gave them power to see and receive him. He gave them power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then notice verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but they were born of God. 
And they received him and believed on him and rested in him and worshipped him. Those who were given power to become sons of God. How were they born? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter tells us they were born again, born from above, born by God's Spirit, and not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's the same thing our Lord said to Nicodemus. No one may enter the kingdom of God except they be born of water and the Spirit. And then Peter tells us in verse 25, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You see, beloved, this treasure is revealed to God's elect through the preaching of the gospel. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, he, he writes there, We have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual with, the, with spiritual, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You see, God's people, they see the Lord's parables as spiritual, and they apply them that way. Indeed, we apply them to Christ. And we have that spiritual understanding because God's given us that understanding. And then Paul writes in verse 14, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, just utter and complete foolishness to the natural man. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. God's treasure is hidden in a field, but he's revealed his treasure to his elect. And then thirdly, when that man finds the treasure, when God reveals it to him, it says he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, back in our portion in, in Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, the person who has not believed does not have God's word in their hands. Rather, all they have is just another book. I mean, that's all he's got because for the person who's not believed the Bible it's or, or believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Bible is just another book. Let's just face it. For that person who's not believed on God's Son, the Bible is just another book. And sure, they might think of it as a great book, perhaps even the greatest book that was ever written. But my friend, if if that person doesn't believe, I mean, they, they might keep the book on the top shelf of their library. They might put it on their coffee table. You you might yourself just carry the book around in your hand. But at the, the end of the day, if you do not believe, it's just another book. That That is, <laughs> that is until you discover the treasure. Until you discover the treasure. And then what happens? You ask the Father to hide that treasure in your heart. 
Our Lord said, Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Hide your word. Hide Christ in my heart. And you buy the book. You buy everything in the book. And all of a sudden, there's treasure from one end to the other. There's treasure all the way through the book of Genesis, all the way through to the book of Revelation. Beloved, remember the gospel in Genesis? It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, after the, the, the promise, the promised seed of the woman, after that uh, verse 15 where it says, uh, the serpent will bruise the heel of our Lord Jesus Christ, but our Lord, the captain of our salvation, he'll crush the serpent underneath his foot and destroy him. And he has. And then in verse 21, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins. Oh, the blessed pardon of the blood of Christ mentioned and seen in that picture of the coats of skin. And then he clothed them. What a blessed picture of the perfect righteousness, our, our perfect righteousness in Christ. Remember the gospel in Revelation 21? We read there in Revelation 21, verse 6. And the Lord said unto me, chapter 21, verse 6. And the Lord said unto me, it is done. It's the very same thing he said on the earth, on the cross. He said, it is finished, speaking of the salvation of his people. And in glory, ever so blessedly, he repeats the same glorious message of the gospel. It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end of all your salvation. My prayer, my ardent hope, as we go through each blessed book of the Bible, is that the Lord has been pleased, according to his own holy and perfect will, to cause us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of his well-pleasing Son. That every time we gather together, beloved, more of his treasure is hidden in our hearts and that his word, in ever-increasing ways, is abiding in our hearts by his grace. Our Lord said to those reprobates, The works which my Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, and they bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Beloved, all through the word of God is filled with the treasure, and that treasure is Christ. A man's sent of God, chosen of God, and that sinner is preaching the gospel to the people. He's preaching the gospel and the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, the man who was once blind now sees that this is God's treasure. It's not just another con concept. It's not just another religion. It's just not another principle. It's a treasure, capital T treasure. And it's real. It's true. And this is the Christ. And by God's grace, we say with our brother Peter, Lord, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ, the Son of God made flesh, dwelling among us in our very presence. This is the treasure of this book. And when he who was once blind is made to see the Christ, the Son of God, the treasure, 
I'll tell you what he does. He buys the book as God's only holy book, the Bible. And so why do we buy the book? Beloved, we buy the book because of, by God's grace, we saw the treasure in it. And notice the man in the parable, he didn't buy every field in the world. He didn't go out and say, well, there's a treasure here and there's other treasures there. That's not it. You see, he bought the field where he discovered the treasure. And until you find this treasure, my friend, the Bible will just be another book to you. And sure, even those who don't believe, they have to admit the Bible is an amazing book. I mean, it talks about future events, and those events have come to pass. It's a fascinating book to many people, but the treasure of it has nothing to do with what captures their soul. But when a man is born again, when a man is born from above, when, when that man or woman is, is born by God's Spirit, when a sinner see, is born again by God's power, that sinner sees the kingdom of God and the treasure contained in it. And beloved, never forget it. Christ is that treasure. And the sinner saved by God's grace receives him. And now God's going to show that babe, that treasure, all through the word of God. And the believer goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. This Bible, to you who believe, it is the word of God. And so, my friend, if God says something, it's true. And if I can't show you where God said it, then don't receive it, you know, just because I said it. Beloved, I want you to see where God said it. And there's no other place to discover this treasure except in this field, this precious word of God that we have in our hands. You're not going to find it in the traditions of men. You're not going to find it in false religion. You're not going to find it in the philosophies of men, nor for that matter, in the religious ideas and concepts set forth by man. Rather, we find this treasure in the word of God. And then we read in our text that he hideth it. He found the treasure and he hides it in his heart. Why does he hide it? Well, because he fears somebody will take it away. And that's what those former parables were teaching. The enemy came in, he stole the seed, took the seed, and the man who finds this treasure hides it in his heart for fear that someone will take it away. And remember, our Lord's talking about gospel treasure. Well, what did the man have to sell? <laughs> what do you and I have to sell? Well, we had that, that old sentimental faith. And uh, the man here in our story, if we can illustrate, he, he had a an old sentimental faith and he got rid of that. In a manner of speaking, he sold and lost it all. all he, he sold and lost it all. He, he, you see, he sold out. He found the field. He found the treasure. So why would he need anything else? <laughs> if you have Christ, beloved, you have everything. What does our brother John write? The Apostle John writes in, in uh, his first epistle, chapter 5, verse 12, He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God has absolutely nothing. You have Christ, you have everything. You don't have Christ, you have absolutely nothing at all. And so this man in, in this parable, he gets rid of everything, just like a bunch of junk you'd want to get rid of, of at a garage sale, just a bunch of cheap junk. He had this old sentimental faith and he got rid of that. He had that belief that was swayed by affection for whoever taught him and he got rid of that. He had a faith that fed itself on sentiment and emotionalism and he got rid of that. He had a faith that was, was fool's gold, fool's gold, for it had not Christ as its one object and he got rid of that. 
You see, he thought he had the real thing, but that was up until he saw <laughs> the real thing and heard the real thing. Before he had a baseless false hope, but, but not the sure hope we have in Christ. He had a hiding place made out of lies and falsehood. He had a good reputation and he got, he let go of that. And he was a, a faithful member of the church and he let go of that. And, you know, he paid his tithes, donated his time and worked in the community and he let go of that as being his hope. He had a good reputation and he got rid of that as his hope. People in the community looked up to him as a wise man and he let go of that. You see, my friend, if you ever see the treasure in this book, <laughs> if you ever see the treasure in this book, you'll gladly get rid of all those things and buy the field. And know this, if you buy the field, those other things, sooner or later, <laughs> sooner or later, are going to go by the wayside because you can't have them in the field. You can't have them in the treasure. That is, you can't believe the word of God and see that treasure that lies hidden in it and still have fellowship with the world. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says there, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. I love what Paul writes. He says, What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, there's no doubt about this, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Just, just garbage to be thrown away. Useless. Can't be used. Just garbage that I may win Christ and be found in him. You see, just like the man in the parable, Paul got rid of everything and he bought the field that he may win the treasure of it. And then fourthly, what was the treasure that he so esteemed that it was joy for him? Joy. Joy for him to get rid of everything. It says for joy. He sold all that he had. Notice he didn't take it out and say, oh, I just hate to part with this or I just hate to part with that. Oh, no, he was happy to do that. And he had a happier day in his life than when he went out and bought that field. What was the treasure? The treasure is Christ. The word of God declares, In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And John said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And Paul writes, Christ is all and in all. Without Christ, my friend, the Bible is just another book. But beloved, you know he's the treasure of this book. But there's only one mediator between God and men, and that man is Christ Jesus. There's no other reconciler for sinners, my friend. You have to be reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. No other reconciler, no other way to the Father. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And he's the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth on him. And the law is honored and exalted in Christ. Just Justice is satisfied. God saves a poor sinner like you and a poor sinner like me without compromise and without change. He's the Word made flesh. He's always been the Word, always. He was in the beginning 
and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. He is the revelation of God. And no man knoweth the Father save the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. You see, to see him is to see the Father. To know him is to know the Father. To know him is to know God. And to know God is eternal life. Here's the treasure, beloved. John writes at the end of his first epistle, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Christ is the theme of the word of God. For to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should not receive in, in him. It says there in Acts chapter 10, verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. He's the treasure and theme of all true preaching. My friend, be it known unto you that through this man, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, has preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Word of God says. And Christ is Lord of the dead and the living. And he's Lord of all, all nations, kindreds and tongues. And the Lord is Lord over all creation, providence and salvation. In fact, the very providence and salvation that brought us here this evening. For in him we find ourselves having obtained a great inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own perfect and holy will. You see, he's the treasure and he's the Lord. Well, what does that mean? That means he's in charge. <laughs> that means he's the one who runs the show. And in the book of Proverbs, it says, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. O Lord, turn us again. Lord God Almighty, Turn us again. My friend, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Beloved, listen to our Lord's words. He declares, Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon your earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Beloved, our treasure is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And never forget it. Never forget it, beloved. <clears throat> never forget it. He had by himself purged our sins and therefore he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, take your word 
the gospel of your Son and give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to rejoice in him who is our treasure. Father, be with those who couldn't be here this evening. And now I beg you, use now your gospel according to your holy and perfect will. I beg you, Father, for Christ's glory and our good, take the clean water of the gospel of your dear Son and bless it with your spirit tonight. For Christ's sake, I pray. Amen.